Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, into the 10th episode of the Get Around Podcast. Yes, we have made it this far. We have not been canceled yet, and I say the word yet because who knows what our future holds. But thank you for tuning into this special show. It's always special, but thank you for tuning into this one because here we are reaching double digits. I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and alongside me this week, of course, are my partners in crime at the Traverse City Record Eagle, Brett Summers and James Cook, two very, very, very fine sports writers. Boys, how's life? Life's good. Tiring. Well, that's what, that's what you said. You said you're going to nod off during this podcast, so I'll probably just have James either throw stuff at you, poke you in the ribs, or, I mean, just lay you out with a punch. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But Flying elbow. Open, open-handed uh, slap to the face. Yeah, do that, that's and an then option. knock you on the ground and give you the old uh, stinky leg drop, which was uh, Hulk Hogan's uh, finishing move back in the day. So maybe jump off the table with a uh, flying elbow. Figure four leg lock. Yeah, sharpshooter. Has anyone ever watched pro wrestling? Brett's over there shaking his head like, I have no idea what the two of you were talking about. Harrison would be in, in heaven right now. Harrison Beebe, of course, from 7 and 4, our guest last week. He uh, He's, what, 30, 31 years old, and he, he still digs the pro wrestling. I'm not taking a shot at the guy, just letting everybody know out there, especially the single ladies. If you want to get him a gift, you know. Wrestling action figures. There you go. He is more than a catch. And I old matches on DVD. And and I say that as someone who once said, "Man, if I was a girl, I would totally date Harrison." And I still haven't lived that one down. And now the public knows that I said that. But moving on, we have a great show for you uh, this evening, or morning, noon, or night, or whenever you're listening. Uh, we're just glad that you are out there in the podcast world listening to us. We are. A full football show today, nothing but football, and hopefully you're still going to listen. But uh, yeah, you're going to want to tune into this one. We talk Central's victory over Traverse City West. We talk St. Francis winning, uh, beating Glen Lake. Frankfurt beating uh, the undefeated Snowbirds of Gaylord St. Mary in a big one, 53-30. We also touch on Central Lake beating Sutton's Bay in the eight-man playoffs. Before we get into all of that, let's go ahead and check in with The Pulse. First off, uh, we are going to talk about Central in that classic finish, as we've called it, because, Brett, as you said, it wasn't the greatest game leading up to that fourth quarter when we did have three lead changes. Of course, Central did come out on top of that one, 17-14, after a Sam DeKuyper pass to Cole Barbie. Uh, went off Cole Barbie's uh, fingers. Uh, that was the potential game-winning touchdown right there. And you had one team in full jubilation mode and the other one uh, in tears. Yeah, it, uh, you know, for the, the first three quarters of that game, maybe didn't exactly live up to the hype um, of, of the week leading in. But the fourth quarter was definitely everything we were looking for. Uh, clutch drives, clutch plays, uh, big plays, momentum swings. And, um, you know, it was, ex- it, it, it was exactly what we expected in terms of that small margin of victory. So it, uh, it was fun. The one thing that I want to talk about is how both you and I agree that the officials hijacked this game. There were 25, 26 penalties, something like that. It was right around there. And I recall at one moment probably one of the favorite things that you've ever said. We are sitting 
in the press box, and after I think maybe the third or fourth flag in a row, you just kind of throw your hands up and go, oh, my aching ass. And I laughed heartily and thought it was great and decided to go ahead and retweet that one out. But it was. I mean, oh, my aching ass. There were so many penalties, and it's as if the officials just wanted to be part of that game and wanted people to know that they were on the field. And as we know, the best officials are you know, un, you know, not seen and not heard. Yeah, it, um, you know, I'm a little, I'm split on that. I think there were some instances where I think it would have been better for the flow of the game to just let the guys play. But there were also just as many cases where Central and West just were not playing discipline. They weren't playing smart. And, I mean, you can't be mad at, official for, at an official for throwing a pre-snap penalty flag because... It is what it is, and that's completely on the players not executing. And I don't know how many false start slash offside penalties there were of the 25 or 30 uh, flags that were thrown last night, but it was way more than you should be having at that type or at that time in the season. You know, maybe it's just the nerves and the the pressure of those moments and and losing focus on some of those smaller details. But it it really did the. The number of flags thrown in that game just completely killed the, any flow that there was. And, I mean, especially for Central uh, through the first half or so, they had so many more than West. It killed any chance that they ever had of moving the ball at all. Well, yeah, what did you say? First down is the worst down that was going to be your lead just because there were so many times where it was first and 10 and then it was somehow first and 20. First and, there were several first and 23s, I believe. And then they had one where they were actually fourth and they ended up fourth and 28, backed up to their four-yard line. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I was so surprised with how many times the Trojans jumped off sides. And it wasn't so much De Kuyper's hard count. It was a couple of times. But if you had watched any game film on West all season, you were able to check De Kuyper's cadence and, 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 and calls. So it was, again, surprising. It was maybe just the anticipation of and the excitement of the game and a playoff for a district championship, which ended up you know becoming the first in... Uh, in history between uh, since those two schools split uh, two plus decades ago and of course since they were uh, regionals before they became districts it was a uh, it was a fun game to watch i mean i guess there were so many i'm only giving you that in the fourth quarter i there, I, I said it i'll be honest the, the first three quarters of that game were a steaming pile well there were so many missed plays that it was exciting you know, or maybe that's where I'm coming from. I might be a Traverse City football apologist right here and was was excited just because of the magnitude of the game. But it was, you know, there were so many misplays, so many things off the fingers, so many passes just out of reach. You had poor Traverse City West doing what they haven't done all season, which is turning the ball over. They were minus four in the turnover game. And they had only turned the ball over seven times coming into that game. Seven times in in ten games is pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean that's the whole reason why Central was only down seven to three at halftime, despite what Eric Sugars called the worst they could have possibly played. 
And the other thing is, we talked about it as well. Central could have been up by a couple of touchdowns. West could have been up by a couple of touchdowns. There just wasn't the execution that we were used to seeing from those two teams. Yeah, it's something that, uh, I mean, obviously it's too late for West now, uh, unfortunately for the Titans, but for Central, there's a lot of things that they need to clean up before they go to Forest Hills Central uh, next Friday because if they don't, after after that team's win over Muskegon Mona Shores, uh, which was surprising. Friday, which was surprising. Um, yeah, that could be a that could be a long evening if you don't bring your A game. But have you, as you've said several times about the Trojans, whether they're down or not, they always believe, and that's why we had that headline on Saturday's edition because they have been down so many times, and they were again they were down. We had three lead changes in the. Uh, in the fourth quarter, you had Central up ten to seven, then Central, and then West up fourteen to ten, and then finally, when Tobin Schwanicky broke one for uh, I believe thirty-eight yards with three minutes and eighteen seconds left in the uh, in the game, they went up seventeen to fourteen. West then drove from their own thirty and had a play on fourth and one from the twenty-six to uh, you know to win the game. I have a, a question for either of you two. Um, it's fourth and one. 20 less than you know 30 seconds to play do you just go for the first down to stop the clock and then spike the ball or or, or was you know head coach Tim were correct in in that call I mean again if if Cole Barbie makes that catch it was the correct call but Cole Barbie did not make that catch I don't have a problem with the call whatsoever uh, in the res- respect that um, I don't West had at most one timeout left. I don't. I'm, I don't think they had any. No, they did not. So, if you pick up the first down, uh, there's about 25 seconds left on the clock. There, yes, the clock stops uh, to move or to move the chains quickly, um, and you could spike it and then have three throws at the end zone or whatever you want to do. Uh, but you you're still going to have 20 plus yards to cover, and if you have a guy get tackled in the in the middle of the field or you know, somebody on the defensive line for Central breaks through and sacks to Kuiper, um, and then you got to wait for all your receivers to get back to the line and get the play called, and that could really just turn out to be a complete mess. And we saw the play, and West had a wide receiver wide open in the end zone. You've got to execute. So I, I don't have an issue with the play call whatsoever. Neither do I, only because I think what it, what it did was maybe Central was expecting the run to get the first down, right? And so you're at the 26, you want to get that, that first down, but instead Worse says, well, maybe we can catch them off guard, which they did a little bit. Uh, again, yeah, like you said, they just uh, they didn't execute. No, and I, I really liked what Tim Moore did with his game plan last night. He was, or maybe at least how he adjusted, because he was not conservative at all during that game. Um, West threw the ball probably more times than they've ever thrown in a game all season long. Um, they called a ridiculously beautiful fake punt that included a reverse after the direct snap to the up man uh, that picked up a first down late that looked like it was going to be critical. Um, I, there really wasn't anything to dislike, I didn't think, about West's game plan. You know, the reason West just didn't have many points on the board was Central's defense was outstanding last night, and West countered with, you know, a few uh, gadget plays and a few 
hidden cards up the sleeve, and a lot of times they worked. It just it still wasn't enough. Yeah, West still got their rushing yards. They had 279. They had been averaging 300 on the season. The only Again, we talked about it before. What hurt them was the turnovers. If they don't turn the ball over four times, they win that game. Definitely. Um, so we're going to get to Central's matchup against Forest Hills Central. That's going to be on Friday at 7 p.m. We'll get to that a little bit later. But, James, I want to get into St. Francis taking on Glen Lake on Saturday and picking up that 13 to nothing win. What did you see out there that St. Francis was able to do to keep Cade Peterson in check? Um, I mean, what they did was they, they brought pressure. Uh, they knew that uh, Nick Apsey was not playing at 100%. Uh, I, think, I think everybody kind of knew coming into that game that or heard the rumors that you know he was in a boot during the week and practiced, didn't practice at all during the week. Um, so you had Max Gilbert running the ball. He did a pretty admirable job, um, also played on defense. Um, I mean, that kid just gutted it out. But uh, St. Francis just brought pressure on, on Peterson. And they, uh, I mean, Peterson ran the ball 21 times which has got to be the most he's done this season. For just 82 yards, is that correct? Something like that, yeah. Um, Yeah, 82 yards net. Um, He also had 22 yards of loss. I'm not sure whether those are sack yardage or not, but uh, he he did get sacked a few times. Uh, Yeah, Glen Lake did have a time where they faced a first and 40. Um, He had gotten sacked by, I believe it was Nathan Schmuckle, or it might have been the time Keaton Peck came off the corner and uh, got him, and he was backpedaling and trying to get away. Lost about 15 yards on the sack, and then got a personal foul on it as well because when uh, I think it was when Peck got up, he kind of kicked at him a little bit or something to get him off of him. The refs threw a flag on that, so uh, they were pretty deep then. But the they just kept the pressure up a lot because Absey wasn't playing a whole lot on offense. They were playing more on defense uh, to try to keep uh, keep in the game, and you know. Uh, you know, their, their receivers really couldn't get open a whole lot on St. Francis. Even some of the, the throws that, that uh, Peterson was completing were, were pretty tight windows he was thrown into. How much did uh, Glenn Lake miss the Peterson to Apsey connection? Because a, a healthy Apsey and you know, a, a quarterback like Kate Peterson, those two have been basically hooking up all season and running roughshod over, over some teams. How much did, did uh, the Lakers miss that? Yeah, you can definitely tell that they were missing some explosiveness in there. I mean, uh, when Apsey was playing, he was mostly playing running back instead of uh, receiver, as we've seen him play, that, play him earlier in the season. But later in the year, they convert, started playing him more and more at running back as they got Drew Peterson back. Um, when they still had Nick Rice healthy as well at running back or at wide receiver, um, so they had Rice and Peterson. They could split out wide, and that let them put Absey back in the backfield a lot more. Um, and just you know, taking that away did I think cost him something. Um, but even in the run game, he's a big threat. I mean, he scored a, a receiving touchdown out of the backfield against Boyne City in that game, a, a long one. Um, but I mean, it w- it was pretty obvious that he was nowhere near 100%. Um, and you had a couple players that were that way as well. Peterson, by the end of the game, they brought so much pressure and between all those carries that he had and taking a few sacks and a few hits on other pass plays, um, by the end of the game, he was just not what he usually is. You know, he was slow getting back to the huddle sometimes and you know one of those guys that every once in a while was putting his hands on his knees and 
and stuff. Um, Gilbo, kind of the same way. You can, he was, Gilbo about, almost looked like he was going to pass out almost at times. I mean, he just kind of had the wobbly legs walking back to huddles and stuff on defense. Uh, it seems like St. Francis is the proverbial thorn in Glen Lake side, and a, and a large thorn at that. Uh, we had St. Francis defeat Glen Lake, what was that, week two? I mm-hmm. believe that was 35-7. to seven. Uh, This time around... 35-9. to 35-9, sorry. Yeah. So this time around, St. Francis didn't have enough, that offense that they had against Glen Lake the first time, but they had the defense to shut out a, a potent uh, Glen Lake offense. How does what St. Francis did on Saturday really help them going forward? Do they take a lot from that game in terms of defense and also areas where they need to work on in offense? Yeah, I think so, because they're going to face a Millington team that I think kind of has a, an offense that's kind of a hybrid of Glen Lakes and Ithaca's, where it's a somewhat open spread offense. So they'll be facing a similar similar type scheme this week, so that should help give them some confidence going into that. They've, you know, they've played teams like this well, and and their defense is going to have to play well. I mean, without Danny Passano at quarterback, uh, they, they, you know, that's, that's a big play threat that they're missing. Um, and, you know, Aaron Simon left this game with a knee injury uh, on the first possession. Joey Muzlakovic has a couple of black eyes. Probably going to. I mean, that, he had a pretty good gash on his on the bridge of his nose. Uh, did he take a cleat to the face? Yeah, he... How did that he, happen through the helmet, though? It was one of Peterson's runs, and uh, he kind of dragged Peterson down from behind, I think, and one of Peterson's shoes just kind of went in the, in the hole of the helmet. You know, and uh, or in the face mask, and just got him right across the bridge of the nose, cut him, cut him pretty decent. Well, his girlfriend's gonna appreciate that. I, I, from what I've heard, chicks dig scars. Is that correct? Chicks dig scars and the long ball. According to the replacements and Keanu Reeves. Okay, mm-hmm. chicks dig scars. And Bones heel. Now, without Danny Passano, we have seen him out with a broken collarbone since week seven, and you have McCardle in there at quarterback. So. Basically what they needed to do, what St. Francis needed to do, was spread the ball on offense and, and give it to a lot of their running backs. Again, they only scored 13 points, but was that an effective part of their offense? Yeah, they. they uh, I mean, Aaron Simon left in the first possession. I think he it was four plays into their first offensive possession that he left with a knee injury, didn't return, um, and he was hobbling really gingerly to the to the halftime locker room. Um, you know, And he's questionable maybe to return next week, uh, although... Josh Teller said he would uh, give it a go. But, uh, you know, they had like four or five running backs that they just kept uh, using as interchangeable parts. You know, Teddy Pritchard, George Mackey, Keaton Peck, obviously Joe Muzlakovich uh, in there as well. And then they mixed in a lot of Wildcat as well, um, like a lot. Yeah, I mean, Joey had a touchdown pass? Yeah, he threw the ball three times, which is as many times as Dylan McCardle did. Uh, and completed two of them. One of them was a 29-yard touchdown to uh, Tom Hagewald. That was the, the second touchdown there in the early fourth quarter that, uh, that really really put them in control. I mean, before that, it was a 7 nothing game the whole time, pretty much. And, uh, you know, one one play here or there, and then that's gone. But you get that 13 nothing lead because the uh, extra point was blocked, and uh, that gives you a little more breathing room. Could the injuries catch up to St. Francis, or do they have – the depth and the will to overcome all of those. I think they had the depth at running back. Um, I mean, Aaron Simon's a nice running back. And, you know, he's he's shifty. Um, you know, he plays maybe bigger than he is. 
Um, because I mean, we all know he's not a very big kid. Uh, but uh, you know, he he's he's done a nice job as part of that running back by committee that they have. Um, but they seem to have, you know, multiple guys. I mean, uh, George Mackey's stepped in the last last couple of weeks. He's been a nice replacement. Keaton Peck's been getting carries here or there. Uh, he's been a nice guy uh, in that rotation. And then you know, Teddy Pritchard, he's been steady pretty much all season as as part of that. And then, and then you know, everybody kind of gears up for Joe Mazakovich. Let's go ahead and move on to Division Eight, and let's talk about Frankfurt taking it to Gaylord St. Mary. Gaylord St. Mary came into this game at ten and zero, and Frankfurt went up quickly on the Snowbirds and ended up winning fifty three to thirty. They were up thirteen to nothing with less than. Uh, less than a minute into the game, they had a, a run back. Matt Loney uh, ran it back for a, a touchdown on the opening kickoff, uh, I believe 65 yards. And then the ensuing kickoff to the Snowbirds, you had a fumble, and then Kirk Myers picked that up and rumbled in from 50 yards to put them up 13 and nothing. And and soon after that, you had another score. It was 19 and nothing before uh, the Snowbirds probably even had a chance to. Uh, get settled in that game. Certainly, probably the the Snowbirds fans, you know, were still getting into their seats at that point. Um, you know, Frankfurt is is one of those teams. You were Brett. You were following the uh, the game on Twitter throughout the night. Were you surprised at what the Panthers were doing to Gaylord St. Mary? Well, I mean, only a little bit in the fact that you don't, you know, you don't expect to score two non-offensive touchdowns in the first fifteen seconds of a game. Um, and really kind of throw a haymaker um, without having to even set Griffin Kelly on the field yet. Uh, I'm sure Gaylord St. Mary wasn't expecting that. I'm sure they knew what their opponent or who their opponent was coming in, Kelly being the focal point, and then to fall behind that much, that fast, and it had nothing to do with Griffin Kelly, uh, except for the part where the opening kickoff uh, reportedly was a squib kick, to avoid him, and then Loney picked it up and took it to the house anyway. But and don't worry, Griffin Kelly got his. We'll get to him in just a little bit, but he certainly got his on the day. Yeah, he did. Um, but I mean, it it, it was re- it was over before it even had a chance to start. Really, I mean, based on the fifty three to thirty final, um, and I know you talked to Matt Stapleton tonight, and he kind of made it sound like the Frankfurt was a little sluggish in the second half. But that score kind of makes you feel like if if Gaylord St. Mary just comes out and doesn't at least turn the ball over, that you maybe have a competitive football game. But it, Frankfurt never really gave the game a chance to be competitive. Yeah, after Frankfurt went up 19 to nothing on Kirk Myers, he had a 40-yard touchdown run from the quarterback position. They were up 19 to nothing. I, I talked to to Matt, and he said that they he had talked to his players, the coaching staff had talked to the players and said, we need to get out to a fast start. And then he kind of joked, he said, well, we certainly didn't anticipate that. And I said to him, well, it's nice that your players listen to you. And he goes, yeah, it happens every once in a while. So it, it was it was pretty impressive what the, what the Panthers did. And let's get to Griffin Kelly here. And I know that you said he's averaging 14 yards. Brett, you said he's averaging 14 yards a carry. And if he only he had 11 touches for 189 yards. He also had a 63-yard punt return for a touchdown, and he also had a 50-yard catch for a touchdown. And his two rushing touchdowns were for 18 and one yards. I don't really know what else we can say about this kid other than we're basically, you know, we're kissing his feet every single week. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, 
anybody that they're going to be playing coming up, I mean, your strategy is or better be your defensive game plan better be excellent um, or you just grind it out three yards at a time so that Frankfurt doesn't get to put their offense on the field because uh, if he has the opportunity to touch the ball and then if he gets into open space, it's already too late. Is he the most explosive player in northern Michigan? I guess that's something I'd like to think about a little more. He's certainly in, I mean, I guess I'd say the top five right off the top of my head. Um, I can't think of another one. Yeah, I can't think of who I'd put ahead of him. I mean, I can think of others that are, you know, very good players, but I can't think of anybody that I'd put ahead of him. I mean, it's to the point where he's, like, got to almost be, like, when they're at first and goal at the one, he's like, ah, I want the ball because it's going to ruin my average. Yeah, he gets to the, I'm not, like I was surprised. I'm like, oh, it was a one-yard touchdown? That's not even impressive, Griffin. Like, come on, dude. I mean, the least you could have done was run all the way back to the other one-yard line and then cut back the rest of the 99 yards to, to punch it in. Bo it would still only count style. as one, though. It still would only count as one, but it would be more Griffin Kelly-like, and I'm pretty sure the dude could still do it. That's what like I used to do back on, what, Nintendo's Madden 98 exactly. when you had all the pixelated little players. Yep. And you Bo just, Jackson, as you just yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Tech Mobile. Run yeah. all the way. But that see, Tech, Tech Mobile was a little uh, before my time. So I was the the early Madden was kind of my first football game. But Did anybody just, else always put Madden on super easy and win like 128 to nothing? Or was that just me so I felt better about myself? No, I did that. I did that. Everybody did that at some point. Yeah, you just, more you just want to see how many points you could put up in a football game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's way more fun to do that instead of trying to grind it out in a regular football game. You can watch those games on TV. I want a full season's worth of stats in 60 minutes. Exactly. That's way more fun. And so is, you know, eventually playing GM. Those are always that's a good part of the game. I'm I'm glad that they eventually made that uh, made that a part of it. Uh Let's move on to Central Lake uh, beating up on Sutton's Bay. That was also a Friday night game. James, you were at that one as well, and you watched the Trojans move to 11-0 and on the season and win a district championship, and now they are on to the regionals. The What did you see in that game that really impressed you other than Grant Papineau? Uh, yeah, well, Grant Papineau was certainly impressive. I said uh, other than him, so you can't talk about him right now. They have like Their offense has a nice three-headed monster of, of Papinaw, uh, Gavin Mortensen, and Skylar Spangler. I mean, in eight-man football, it's, eight-man football is the kind of football where you have one or two athletes on your team that are really good, and you try to put them in space. When you have three like that on one offense, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to stop, and, and Sutton's Bay saw that. They've seen that twice this year. Um, you know, uh, Dan Durkin, the coach at, at Sutton's Bay, was saying after the game, you know, we just played the best team in eight-man football, in all of eight-man football. And uh, and certainly the way that their offense looked on Friday night, it, it certainly appeared that way. I mean, uh, they were kind of able to just do whatever they wanted. I mean, between Mortensen throwing the ball and, and running the ball and then uh, Spangler and, and uh, Papinaw, uh, I mean, they just kind of, it, it was almost video game-like. To go back to Madden. Are they the eventual state champion? I think they've got a seriously good chance of that. Was that a surprise coming in? Did we expect Central Lake to be this good? I mean, talking to Rob Hickey, he is probably one of the, talking to him, I don't know how he is in practice, 
but I know he's pretty laid back during a game as well. He's not one of those coaches that is yelling at his players from the sideline. Uh, he is basically he's he just seems like he's a coach that likes to have fun and wants his players to have fun, and he's just so upbeat. And I know it's easy to be upbeat when you're 11 and 0 when you don't lose a game the entire season. It's very easy to be in a good mood all the time. But do you think that kind of rubs off on his players? Well, certainly. And to answer your question, um, it is a surprise. You know, I don't, and I think it's a surprise uh, to a degree to them too, because you know, I don't. You're talking to them in at camp before the season started. I mean, eleven. They weren't thinking about eleven and zero. You know, they were more worried about having the very small roster that they had just be prepared, ready for the season, and avoid injuries and kind of see what happens. And so I think everything, I mean, now to be at the point that they are at, uh, it's kind of every every positive from here on out is just kind of like a cherry on top. And that's not to say that they're not competing and that maybe their goal has not become uh, to win a state title. I haven't had the chance to ask Rob that yet. But uh, it this, especially the year they had last year, Hiki coming back as coach after having stepped away two seasons ago and kind of, uh, taking a break from that. I mean, he told me also at camp, like, he thought he was done with football. He didn't have any plans to coach football ever again. And uh, here he is uh, deep into the postseason. So, why did he come back? Do you know? They needed somebody, and he was local. He had led the program before. You know, the the rough season that they had last year, I'm not sure how much interest there was in the job. There certainly wasn't interest from a lot of players to come back out. You know, we talked about that before that. You know, there were 10 or 12 guys who played last year that didn't come out this season just because they didn't want to lose again. James, does this... you got to think those guys are kicking themselves at the, right now. <laughs> right. So, James, does this build the program from here? Does an 11-0 season, possibly 12-0 and so forth, and maybe on to a state championship, does that now attract more players and build this program to a, a perennial powerhouse in the eight-man? I think that's got to be that has to be what Hiki has on his mind. Um, I mean, he was talking after the game about the program and about how you know this this win and this season has been you know that every player that's played at Central Lake before this, back when they were playing eleven player football and playing schools twice their size and not faring well, he said every every one of those players is part of this, part of this this win this this season and this run, and uh, so I, I think he is you know building that uh, you know that program and trying to get that involvement and, and obviously looking past this season as well all right well we've looked at the games that are already in the books let's look at the ones that are coming up as we move into our over and under so we have central traverse city central playing forest hills central on friday at 7 p.m brett you are going to be out there covering that game what you saw on Friday against West, what do they ha- what do the Trojans have to do? What do they need to improve to get a win in the regionals? Well, something that I maybe wouldn't have expected at any point in this season, um, and, and maybe that's a mistake on my part, but I wouldn't have thought that Central's calling card would be its defense at this point in the season. But head coach Eric Sugars is a defensive guy. He was the D.C., Uh, for the Trojans before he became the head coach. So this has to be just like music to his ears right now, the way his defense is playing to, uh, you know, virtually shut out a high-scoring Midland team on the road and then, you know, do what they did against West um, Friday night. 
I'll go over, I'll give you the over and under since I didn't do that, and you know, that's my job as the host to give you the correct thing. So I didn't give you an over under, but we're going to do this for all of the games and, and all of our area teams. Over or under reaction that Central defeats Forest Hill Central and moves on? I don't like you. Crickets. <laughs> so you've been picking Central, and maybe this time, hey, it's, there needs to be an end of the line somewhere for four teams, and the end of the line is either the state championship game or games before it. So let me just ask you straightforward, is this possibly the end of the line for the Trojans based on what you saw Friday? So simply based on what you saw Friday, is this possibly the end of the Trojans? If they play like they played Friday, they will not win this coming Friday. Uh, See how I let you off the hook there? Yeah, I you gave, I gave you. you an out. Thank you. So you're welcome. Yeah, um... You know, I what I have seen from Central now more than just this year, the last several, you know, couple years is it's a team that you can't ever count out. So you're, you're uh, you know, if you're Forest Hills Central or whoever down the line that Central Traverse City Central is playing, if you get a chance to step on their neck and end it, you have to do it right then, or you might not get another chance. And you'll be regretting it later. You don't want to leave that team breathing, just even a little bit. No, I made the comment to you, I think, as we were walking to the parking lot yesterday. Um, I've never seen a team like this that can repeatedly be losing or be down in such pressure, pressure situations almost every single week. And more often than not, they manage to come out on the right side. Um, it's it's really kind of mind-boggling that especially, you know, you're talking about a group of teenagers, these aren't, you know, they're not professionals, they're not, they haven't been doing this their whole life, that, that it would seem like they could just flip a switch. Uh, but this this team, for whatever reason, seems to be able to do that. Um, if they if they can keep it close enough, like, they always, they, they tell it to me almost after every game, you know, we always believe we're in it, and it, it almost becomes cliche at some point but I'm not even really sure how else you're supposed to describe it after they repeatedly do it over and over and over again. I want to go back to the game against West because I enjoy being long-winded on this podcast, and that's just something that I like to do, Nate. Um, but the it almost seems like you were kind of prescient uh, for that game because you moved to the end zone when, uh, the, uh, when the Trojans were at the 38-yard line, and you were there, you were able to capture Schwanke's a 38-yard uh, game-winning touchdown run. Were you expecting that to happen? Did you just think, like, I got, I have to go be in this spot because these guys can do it? Yeah, I don't know. When I'm, when I'm on the sideline and I have a camera or whatever, I'm just, I don't know, I try to feel the game out and try to be where I think I need to. Because you got that one and you got the, Powers North, the Power North Central one last year, and, I mean, that was, that was incredible. Yeah, um, so I don't know. Call it good luck. Call right it place, right time. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, a little bit of intuition, I, I don't know, with playing and just kind of having an idea of what might happen when. I don't know. But it just, it their previous scoring drive, when they went up 10-7, um, to 7, uh, which was on a fourth and goal from the seven, um, that one just, it kind of felt like, that was the first moment the entire game where they finally broke through all the things that went wrong. and uh, I, If they don't convert there, I don't think they win that game. No, I don't either. 
I that was such a critical play, and with the because West came back and took the lead again, it almost kind of takes a back seat to that clutch drive that Schwanke, uh and the Trojans put together uh, in that fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was I'm trying to remember now eight plays, seventy yards um, in the last couple of minutes. Uh, I think it was about a two-minute drive. They got the ball with four and change and scored with just under two to go. But that that drive kind of overshadows what they did on that fourth down. Um, They had it second and goal on the one. Then they had one of those aforementioned penalties that moved them back, Uh, had another play that didn't get anything, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, they just drove the entire length of the field just to shoot themselves in the foot again. And... uh, Eric Sugar said that he contemplated kicking a field goal, making it 7-6, to six, just planning on stopping West again. And uh, he trusted his coaches. Uh, Tim Odette said, we've got the play. We, we'll get it done. And they did. And, uh, you know, Schwanke, he bought time with his feet. West didn't get really much pressure on him. And uh, Jack Sherwin just kind of found an open spot in the end zone and stood still until Schwanke found him, and it was pretty easy pitch and catch. Well, I know that we are excited to have two Traverse City teams moving on to the regionals, and let's take a look at St. Francis right now. They travel to Millington on Friday at 7 p.m. James, you're going to be out at that one. I, unfortunately, am maybe going to be stuck in the office. I'm not sure. I'm going to try to convince Nate to let me go up to uh, the UP and cover Frankfurt's game. I think he's going to say no, but I'm still going to ask because what's it going to hurt? Maybe you can just ride there with Frankfurt. I, but I want the mileage, you know? Do you want to cover the game, or do you want the mileage? I want to cover the game and get the mileage. It's a, you know, it's a basically... What if you can't have both? It's, it's... Oh, if I can't have the mileage? Oh, I'm not covering that game. No, it's, 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 it's fine, you know? If I'm not getting the mileage for that, I'm certainly not putting the, the miles on my car for... I mean, we just got a boost up to 53.5 cents per mile, and it used to be 25... Everybody wants to drive everywhere right now that's working for this company. But you said that but I said you could you could go with Frankfurt. You could hitch a ride. I don't think they'd like my company. There are very few people in this world that enjoy my company. I don't think that they would enjoy my company. It would only be like 10 straight hours. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> Listen, hanging out with a bunch of high school boys is um it's not my thing. So that I'm not going to do, but I, I appreciate you, you know, bringing up that scenario, but it's it's certainly not going to happen. You don't want to take a bus ride to a different time zone? And sit in, a, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of smelly teenagers, right? Who wants to do that? We'll, uh, we'll assume that they'll need smelly afterwards on the way back. Who knows? You know, maybe the nerves will get to them and they'll be sweating on the bus. <laughs> I don't know. But, all right, St. Francis, Millington, that game... Over or under reaction, St. Francis wins that one. See, I got the over or under reaction on that one this time. I didn't forget. I, I think that if St. Francis' defense plays the way they did against Glen Lake, um, I, I don't think they'll be able to maybe replicate a shutout. But if they can play that way, I think that they will come out in top of that game. Um, I mean, the, that defense is just absolutely stifling. Artie Dutmer is, is a shutdown corner. And, you know, when you can just kind of take half the field away against a spread offense like that. Uh, that's that's a big weapon for them, and and they've got so many other guys on defense. Uh, Ryan Lintz just does all the little stuff that maybe doesn't get in the box score or the story, like every week. You know, uh, he recovered somebody else's fumble 
in this game. Uh, you know, St. Francis had, I think, they fumbled the ball three times, didn't lose any of them. Lintz recovered one, and twice when they had running backs fumble the ball, they fell on their own fumble and were able to get it back. And, and Jerry, after the game, Jerry Andrews was saying, you know, they fumbled the ball three or four times, and we need to get to one or two of those. And Is we that couldn't. what he sounded like? He did not what sound did, like that at all. Did, what did Jerry Andrews sound I have like? a terrible Jerry Andrews impression. So do I. But, no, all right, continue. <laughs> Keep going. Neither of us are going to throw out our Jerry Andrews right now, or Andrews, or Angers, or... Andrews. <clears throat> Andrews. Yes. Andrews? Yeah. Jerry. I, I also did not Gary. wear... Gary, did, Gary Angers. <laughs> <laughs> I also did not wear shorts to the game like uh, like Jerry did this week as well. He must be a cold-blooded animal if he's able to... Stay out in that weather and wear shorts. I don't. I don't know what it is that that guy. I don't know if it's at this point. It's just a like he has to do it. Like if someone sees him wearing pants, they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with him? Is is Gary okay? Is Gary <laughs> Angers okay?" Gary, you're wearing pants. I've never seen that before. That's his evil that twin. Sounds, that That's his odd. evil twin. Is <laughs> pants wearing Gary is his evil twin. <laughs> Oh, I'm cracking myself up. That is the, um, I, I think that's the sign of a psychopath. But, um, yeah, sorry about that, Gary. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, that's right. <laughs> All right, uh-huh. since we're uh, slightly punch drunk at the moment, um, what else about St. Francis? Let's continue to talk about them because they have, I've only seen them play uh, a, a two quarters this season, and I feel like most of the time, this conversation is being dominated by West and Central, and I ignore the poor gladiators who are having an incredible season. Yeah, I, I, I think that as the, the playoffs continue to unfold, you're going to see St. Francis unveil some new tricks on offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the most of the season, I mean, they've had just a, a fairly vanilla game plan. I mean, uh, and then as the season's progressed and they've had some, some tougher games, you've seen them add a few wrinkles here. They added the Wildcat uh, primarily against Boyne. And then, uh, and then in the playoff game against Calumet, and then in this game they added the wrinkle into the Wildcat of actually having Muzlakovic throw the ball out of the Wildcat, which they hadn't done in the previous two year two games. They they used it, so I think I think they've been saving up, uh, you know, using that vanilla game plan. I think they've been kind of saving up some some new wrinkles to throw at teams in the playoffs. Do they have a few more? tricks up their sleeve do you think or did they pull them all out against Glen Lake that's that's what I'm thinking I mean really the only thing that they did differently was the passing out of the Wildcat they still they still ran the Wildcat um they they hadn't really run it with Muzlakovich nearly as much as they did this week but uh but they did (laughs) (laughs) that was like five fucking minutes ago Brendan Christ man I don't even know what's Do an funny. impression and get it out of your system. <laughs> I don't even know what's funny anymore. Oh, you were asking about the, if you thought they had any more... Tricks up their sleeve. There it is. Yeah. I, I, wrinkles I, I, in their pants. Wrinkles in their shorts. Obviously, I don't have access to their playbook, but I kind of feel like they are building up, you know, and they, and they have some, some, some tricks up their sleeve. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to step out. 
Well, if you notice a little jump in the podcast there, it's only because I could not contain my laughter. We tried several times, and I was just, I was done for. So, we're back now and ready to go. I have composed myself, and I will no longer laugh at my own joke, which, again, I said, is a sign of being a psychopath. But I took the psychopath test, so it, it said I wasn't, and I believe that. You, you believe that, yes. Yes, I believe I'm, that. I'm going to back you yeah, on that. That's important. It is, it's, yeah. What is important is that I believe it. So, James, we were talking about St. Francis, and I was doing my best to not laugh, but continued to happen, and I interrupted you. So, what? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you just asked me about whether St. Francis still had more tricks up their sleeve. Yes, and, and wrinkles uh, in their pants. <laughs> And I, I, I think they, you know, I don't have a, a clue or a, a window into their playbook or anything like that, but I think they do have more uh, tricks that, they're, that they've been hiding, that they've been saving up this season, because they've been able to beat teams this year uh, with, without having to go deep in the playbook. Well, St. Francis is going to have a pretty good chance to pull off a win against Millington. They have had the defense to do it, and it'll be on showcase, I'm assuming, uh, when that rolls around on Friday at 7 p.m. Now, moving on to Frankfurt, they are taking a long trip uh, to the Upper Peninsula. They're going to be playing Iron River West Iron. That's a Saturday game at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. As James, as you pointed out, they that part of the Upper Peninsula is actually in the central time zone, so that's a 12.30 start. Yeah, and it's like almost a 400-mile bus trip if they go up you know, through uh, Mackinac Bridge. Yes. You, you, saw, you said that they were even considering taking the ferry. Yes, Stapleton said that he looked online, and the quicker way to get there is actually to drive the 20 minutes south to Ludington, hop on the SS Badger, and then take that across Lake Michigan to Wisconsin, and then make the drive north to Iron County. Back in the day, that would have been an even shorter trip, because there used to be a ferry that went straight from Frankfurt to Green Bay. Man, I wish that was still going. <laughs> It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. If Kelly has a performance like he did against uh, Gaylord St. Mary, do they have? Does Does Frankfurt have a good chance to win this game? I mean, really, is anybody? I'll able stop you right there. If Kelly continues to have games like this, no one will beat them. I don't know. I mean, I think at some point they'll run into a defense that can bottle them up a little better than you know to the tune of two hundred yards or whatever it is. Um, you know, when they've played Muskegon Catholic Central in the past, he's had less stellar games. Uh, although Muskegon Catholic Central got beat today, yeah. so they're the only Frankfurt, team that stopped him. Frankfurt's and probably gone. feeling a little bummed because they don't get a chance to avenge those losses. Maybe, but on the inside, I bet they're like, "Yes, we don't have to face the team that has continued to end our season." Probably, to an extent, yeah. So and, and it's, maybe- it's a catch twenty-two, little bittersweet thing there, but. I wouldn't want to face the team, but maybe that's just because I'm not, you know, gung-ho, super competitive. But I wouldn't want to face the team that had continued to end my season. I would be thanking the team that beat them and saying, all right, well, maybe we can give you a run for your money. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's immaterial. They have to go to very far away. (laughs) Yes. For lack of a better term. Central time zone. Long, Uh, long ago in a galaxy far away. That's That's where they've got to go. They're going to Tatooine uh, to continue their season. Um, 
And Star Wars references for anybody out there who's not understanding, not getting the galaxy far, far away and Tatooine references. UP would, UP would be more like Hoth. Uh, that's probably true, especially this time of year. Which yeah. was which was the planet that got blown up? Was that Alderaan. Alderaan? Alderaan, yes, that's that's correct. The Alderinians. That's that's who lived there. <laughs> <laughs> we are the absolute worst. This tonight we just. Usually we're very professional and we keep our stuff together, but we're we're feeling silly tonight. Well, we've had two days of being like on the road and doing, you know, a ton of stuff over the last few days, and uh, probably a little slap happy. Yes, punch drunk, slap happy. However you want to put it, it's. Uh, we're gonna bust out the Three Stooges pretty soon. Yes, we are. Maybe we're gonna we're gonna yeah. yuck yuck yuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Brett with an impression. There we go. So Frankfurt going to Iron River West Iron, where I Which can I'll say is ridiculous to have to continue saying it that way. Yes. Uh, and also that I hope their mascot is the Ironman, like Mancelona. Mancelona is the Ironman. Is that correct? Yes? Correct. I've got that one right, which is which is nice that I'm that I am correct there. But yes, the Iron River West Iron Ironman. Or I don't know what they are. Maybe it's ironic that they're not the Ironmen, so there's some irony there, and they're probably Perhaps they're the ironic Ironmen. And maybe they're gonna iron their uniforms before they put them on. I would I would imagine they do that, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> maybe. This podcast is so <laughs> off the rails. Yeah, but I love it. I love it. I think that Officially. people. I think that people are going to listen to this and go, look at those wonderful personalities of those three gentlemen. Maybe not professional, but they certainly know how to have a good time. <laughs> Maybe not use the term gentleman, but, you know. So officially, you've looked it up on your cellular device. Yes, yes. I have one of those. Uh, it, it, they are the Wycons. I don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. W-Y-K-O-N-S. Okay. That sounds like a radio station. Welcome to W-Y-K-N-O-S. I think they just took the. This West, is the get around podcast. I think they just took the West Iron County. Oh. Okay. And, you know, perverted that a little bit. Well, if I go, you are wrong. There. Oh, me. <laughs> According to West Iron County Public Schools, they are a Wycon is a three-legged mythological creature that represents West Iron County Public Schools. The, vi- the very crude image that they have on their website. Crude's maybe not the right word. Well, is the third leg a penis? <laughs> <laughs> it basically looks like a, a lion, kind of, with a long tail and only three legs and three claws on each foot. <laughs> Threes abound. Except it does not have three penises. <laughs> That we know of. That we know of. It's facing you in that picture, so, I mean, you don't know. What's facing me, the penises? (laughs) Oh, well, I'm going to label this one not safe for work. Please don't leave that in there. So, this has gone from the get around to Bob and Tom. Yes. Yeah. At least we're not Barstool, so that's good. We're not that bro-y. 
Frankfurt has a good chance to win that game. Moving on to Central Lake, they're going to play Stevenson. They're actually the only area team that is hosting a game, and they are playing Saturday at 3 p.m., looking to move to 12-0 on the season. Stevenson's had a good season. Uh, been on the, the eight-player voting panel for, for the year, uh, voting for eight-man. And, I mean, they've been routinely in the top five throughout the season. Um you know, with the likes of uh, Pickford, uh, who defeated Onekama on Saturday. Um, Onekama was uh, around number five a lot this season. Central Lake, I think, in the final poll, jumped up to number four, uh, especially after that, uh, the the win against Onekama that decided that conference and um, kept them undefeated in week eight. I mean, Central Lake, what they've done routinely week in and week out um you know they've they certainly have a good shot and uh you know we talked about it earlier the the three-headed monster that they have on offense and um you know they can put up points so uh, it should it should be a good game well that was some intelligent insight from both of you on central lake and stevenson in that matchup that we're all very excited about we're excited for all four of those games but let us move on to Something that we all love to do and argue about. Let's move on to the Get Around Hall of Fame and who we're putting up this week. It is awesome that I, once again, was smart enough in the office to call dibs on Frankfurt's Griffin Kelly. Shotgun rules, of course, applied. We were all in the office. And so I took a, I wouldn't say a risk, nominating Griffin Kelly for the fourth time. But he has had some bad luck and has yet to be enshrined in the Get Around Hall of Fame. So I'm going to go ahead and put him up, and if uh, just to give you a gentle reminder, he was 11 carries, 489 yards. He had four touchdowns, a 63-yard punt return, a 50-yard catch, and runs of 18 and 1 yards. So beat that, guys, although actually both of you have really legitimate candidates. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I can beat that. And, uh, I mean, not that I want to, because I do feel a little bit bad for Griffin that he hasn't gotten in yet, because he's certainly deserving. It needs to be a running joke that we nominate him every week and he just doesn't get in. I think every week we should nominate Koblund and Griffin Kelly, and then the other, whoever it is, gets enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I think Kobe and Griffin might get tired of that a little. Maybe, but we won't. We, we will. Brendan won't. Brendan won't. Referring to myself in the, in the third person. So, Brett, who are you going with this week as your nomination for the Get Around Hall of Fame? My nomination is going to be defensive back Jordan Christopher from Traverse City Central. He, uh, he played an outstanding game, uh, perhaps the most outstanding game um, among many uh, on Central's defense yesterday uh, against Traverse City West. Um, the defensive back. I mean, this he he has your typical defensive back numbers with an interception, uh, two pass breakups. But then he kind of has some non-typical numbers for a defensive back in that he led the defense with 16 tackles, and nine of them were solo tackles. Uh, and then he also, I think West, it was in the second half. West had just completed a pass to a wide-open wide receiver down the sideline. I think it was on second 20. The play picked up at least about 30 yards. And maybe you remember, Brendan, I can't recall who was running with the ball for West at the time. I believe that was Jacob Pulaski. Okay, Jacob Pulaski, yeah. He tries to, he's running down the left sideline, and 
Jordan Christopher is the only one that's out there. And uh, so he's, Pulaski decides he's going to cut back to the middle of the field. And, I mean, it looks like he might, if he can break a tackle, he might take, you know, go the distance. And uh, somehow Christopher got a hand on the ball and uh, forced the fumble. Central recovered. And, uh, I mean, that was a that was a huge play in the game. So, I mean, the kid was just... Central didn't score on the following possession, but they stopped West from scoring. And so that was a big momentum swing, despite Central not scoring, uh, you know, on that ensuing possession. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, like I said, he just he played a phenomenal game um, while others around him were playing well, and he just kind of stood out above the rest. And um, so that he's, uh, he's my nominee for the Get Around Hall of Fame. We haven't given much love to defensive players, so it's nice that we are finally looking at those numbers instead of the flashy offensive numbers. You know, it, I think a lot of the times defense goes unappreciated, especially, uh, well, so far by us. James, your nomination for the Get Around HOF. Uh, I'm going to put up another Trojan, but from a different team. Um, I'm going to put up uh, Grant Papinaw from Central Lake. Um, I mean, he just runs angry. Uh, you know, in eight-player eight football, you think of players just getting out in space, being more shifty, stuff like that. But he is just a power back who will who will run over you. Uh, several Sutton's Bay defenders found that out. It's Friday almost night. like he, like, seeks them out and says, yeah. oh, all right, well, there you are. I'm going to run at you, and this is going to be fun for me. Yeah, and I'd probably be, I mean, he's a, a pretty decent-sized kid too. Um, but, I mean, he puts that shoulder down, and he just ran right through a couple of Suttons Bay guys. Um, you know, and Suttons Bay's defense is not bad or anything. I mean, they won seven games. Uh, and, I mean, he put up uh, what is it? 20 carries, 178 yards, averaged 8.9 a carry, uh, had a rushing touchdown, also caught three passes for 50 yards, and another touchdown. And started a linebacker, and was one of their leading tacklers. Well, we, I, we have great nominees this week. Um, Brett, I'm going to have you start off with the voting. Who are you going with? I'm going to take my nominee and go with Jordan Christopher. Jordan Christopher. All right, James, who are you going with? I'll go with Griffin Kelly. Going with Griffin Kelly. All right, so it is up to me. Do I break Griffin Kelly's heart again? Because I know that, I mean, this means a lot to him. I mean, a podcast Hall of Fame? I mean... That's something you put on your resume, right? It's certainly your college application. I would, I would think so. That probably gets him in. Yeah. Harvard, Yale, Brown, Dartmouth, some Ivy League school. So it's not his football talent that's going to get him a scholarship. It's the Get Around Hall of Fame. And he will be inducted this week as I vote for Griffin Kelly. Uh, and I think more than anything, he has had better games than 11 carries for 189 yards and four touchdowns. But retroactively, the kid just needs to he needs to get in. He can't deny someone four times. And Jordan Christopher, it's a shame because you really did have an outstanding game. And part of me was very close to voting for you. But I just couldn't do it to Griffin Kelly again. I couldn't. I could not. Although, maybe that kid's getting in, you know, the Hall of Fame at some point during the basketball season. But even still, maybe we are going to do, and breaking news right here on the podcast, we're going to do a retroactive Hall of Fame where we go through our uh, previous nominees and ones that didn't get in. So maybe Jordan Christopher is one of those that we decide to induct later on down the road. We go beyond the first ballot on the get-around. Veterans Committee, as yeah. it were. Yeah, there we go. 
moving on now to what's going to wrap up this marathon episode. I think I said that last week, but this one's even longer based on the amount of laughing that we have done throughout this podcast and trying to get it done. We kicked out Harrison, and we went longer still. Yep, and who knows? We're long-winded. Long-winded, Nate. So, uh, the trifecta this week is outside of the pop culture medium as we have been going through the entire, so far, the first nine episodes. We've gone all either movies or TV. This time we are not. We're actually going with the best comeback that we have seen, the best sports comeback that we have seen, and that's in you know, in real life. We didn't have to be there in person, but certainly the best comeback that we've ever seen. Uh, who wants to start? I'm going to go ahead and give it to old uh, Jimmy James Cook. All right, um, I'm going to go with the 2014 Bahamas Bowl. Uh, my we all know that one. We all do. We all do. Uh, that's uh, my my uh, Central Michigan Chippewas. They were down forty nine to fourteen in the fourth quarter, and scored thirty four unanswered points. And if you do the math on that, that means that they fell one point short. But, they went uh, for two, didn't they? They went for two as time expired to go for the win and did not get it. Um, but you know, I, I believe it, it was a top ten play of the year. I think for uh, on ESPN for that year that the hail mary pass that they threw the the pass itself. Came, came up short of the goal line, and the receiver had to run backwards and lateraled it to somebody else, and then he lateraled somebody else. And Was that and, the Bahamas ball? Mm-hmm. And then, that's what he said at the beginning of this. Yeah. It Glad was I Bahamas. was paying attention. boy, keep looking at that phone. <laughs> so, James, then, this is an odd choice considering that your alma mater, the Chippewas of Central Michigan University, did not win this game. So why are you choosing that as the greatest comeback, seeing as how they did fall short? I just, I mean, it was a huge deficit to come back from. And uh, it was around Christmas time, I believe it was the day after Christmas, my in-laws were uh, visiting, and I was watching the game in the other room, and when they when they got the uh, the Hail Mary that they completed to, to nearly complete the comeback... You wet your pants. I started cursing like a sailor, basically, and uh, saying, holy bleeping bleep. And running around and everything, you know, right in front of my uh, in-laws. And it, uh, it just kind of struck me as funny and a uh, story I like to tell. Did you like that they went for two? I understand why they did it, because Titus Davis, who was their star wide receiver, got hurt on the play as he, he was the last person to get the last lateral and was stretching across the, the goal line to get in for the touchdown. Um, he got hit as he was doing that and got hurt. And their running back, I believe, was already out for the game as well. So they were like, well, our our two top offensive weapons are gone, so let's just end it right here. They should have thrown it up to Ryan Hayes. They should have, had they had him. But unfortunately, he was not on the roster. Maybe J.J. Water, Antonio Brown. He was probably about 13 then, too. Okay. J.J. Water, Antonio Brown? He was probably still Not like, still on the team. Or Joe Staley. I would imagine that he's, he was probably, Ryan Hayes was still like six foot when he was 13, maybe, maybe taller than that. Probably. Like, not only are all those guys obviously playing in the NFL, but they all have commercials on TV right now too. You've seen the Staley one? Yeah. It, it's just it's it's a, a bizarre coincidence that a friend of mine and it's another CMU grad pointed out the same thing. This is amazing conversation between the two of you. Just I mean, <laughs> killing it right now on the podcast. Nobody stops. Just because you right don't now. know what we're talking about doesn't mean it's un, it's uninteresting, Brendan. You, you're 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 right. I I feel left out, and so I lashed out. And I, I apologize. Thanks. 
James, wonderful pick there, despite your chip was not getting that win. Brett, how about you? Uh, do you have more than one this week? I wouldn't let you down. Had a boy. I always bring more than one. That's why we love you. That's uh, why the fans love so, you. So I brought the best comeback, uh, just kind of in general, and the best comeback that I've seen in person. So we'll start with that one, uh, which goes back to... Uh, September 12th, 1999, I was not quite 10 years old yet, and uh, I think that would have only been the second or third Green Bay Packers game I'd ever gone to uh, at Lambeau Field, and I think it was opening day, Um, the date sounds right for opening day, they were hosting the Oakland Raiders, and uh, Green Bay was trailing 24 to 21 with a minute 51 to go, and uh, got to witness one of uh, Brett Favre's comeback victories, 11 plays, 82 yards in the last minute, 51. Uh, That was capped by a one-yard touchdown pass to Jeff Thomason, and everybody listening is probably like, who the hell is that? Future get-around Hall of Famer Jeff Thomason. Thomason. That's what I said. Okay. Thompson. (laughs) He was a get-around Hall of Famer like about six seasons ago. Retroactively, yeah. Jeff Thomason. He. I looked it up because Tom I was Jefferson? curious. Thomas Jefferson. Oh my God! He played for the Packers. <laughs> but I, I looked it up because I was curious. Jeff Thomason played tight end in the NFL for ten years, and he only had sixty-seven career catches in ten seasons, and that was one of them. And uh, you know, just as far as the game went. It was one of those typical Favre games. Threw for over 300 yards, had four touchdowns, including the game winner. But he also three, threw three interceptions in that game. So I was going to guess six, but three's still not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there was a point in that game where I was probably pulling my hair out at the time, even though I was only nine years old. Um, and now it looks like you pulled your hair out. Funny enough, uh, side tangent here. I know this is getting long-winded. Nate? Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's getting long-winded, but uh, that was the first time I ever got caught cursing by my parents. Was I was yelling at Brett Favre on the TV when I thought that they weren't home, and I unleashed a chain of F-bombs, and they were displeased, to say the least. This is Favre's? I'll Favre bombs? Favre yes, bombs. Favre bombs. Uh-huh. Saying Favre a lot. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give you a story of me when I was uh, much younger. Um, I used to, while sitting in the family room with my family, because it's a family room, right? So I used to pull the blanket over my head, and then I would, like, whisper swear, because I don't, I, I just, I wanted to, so I knew it was You thought wrong. the words couldn't carry through the blanket? Oh, but it was like, it was like, it was very quiet about it, and I'm really weird. I was a weird child, I'm a weird adult, and... If that's not proven by this podcast, I don't know what else I need to do to prove to the people out there that I am straight up weird. Okay, well, rescue us in the uh, in the comeback category between, um, I, between no, one that he, doesn't. But, but he's not up. Team. He, he's, he's not up yet because well, I didn't pick the best comeback yet. Okay, okay, well, sports, say, yeah. sports writer still has one more to go. That's right. And it's not as if uh, the last one took forever, so this one should be short and sweet. It will be. It's uh, it's recent. Most people are going to remember it. Uh, it was Super Bowl 51, Atlanta leading 28-3 to in the third quarter over Tom Brady and those damn Patriots. That one's easy. 
It was easy, but I mean, what? How, how did? How does that one not make the list? The previous story was was good, and I, I think everybody at least needed to hear the the Patriots, despite what all of us in this room not enjoying the Patriots. Yeah, no, I. But man, I'm okay with the Patriots. That 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 comeback. As much as I didn't want to admit it, that comeback for me, and I know a lot of people already had, but that for me cemented Tom Brady as the greatest of all time. He is the goat, no doubt about that. Okay, so you, so now you got to rescue us because I had a comeback that wasn't a complete comeback because they didn't win, and he had a comeback from a whole four points down. Yes. Well, yeah, it was three points down. Whoa, we almost had water out the nose on that one. All right. Yes, we're going to go ahead and give him... Oh, 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 into the garbage can. Can he swallow it, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Oh, my God. I hope this takes you like six hours or 16 hours to edit. (laughs) Oh, my God. My greatest comeback happens to come from my alma mater, although it wasn't my alma mater at the time, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And I think maybe at that point it was Champaign-Urbana. They changed it for some reason, and I don't know why, because Champaign-Urbana sounds a lot better than Urbana-Champaign. Champaign-Urbana rolls off the, the tongue a little bit easier. So I am going with, of course, the 2005 Elite Eight game in the NCAA March Madness tournament between... Of course, the Fighting Illini and the Wildcats of Arizona. Uh, Wildcats led by 14 points with less than 14 minutes to go. Illini had been, I mean, I'm going to say they were undefeated, but they weren't undefeated. They lost to the very hated Buckeyes of Ohio State on, on a last-second uh, three-pointer. They lost on that one. But they came back, and they managed to win this one 90-89, to 89, and it was, uh, I think it's still considered one of the greatest comebacks in NCAA basketball history. I remember being downstairs in my family room. Uh, they, the uh, Illini had gotten down by that many points, and we were having a viewing party over at my parents' house, and most everybody just kind of migrated upstairs to the front room and were having a good time talking about that. I, on the other hand, stayed down there and watched the game, and I also did some cursing, and I kicked the couch and was just, I was, I think I was 21 at the time, so I didn't, I should have been a little more mature than I was, and I shouldn't have been getting so angry about a sports game. I don't get angry about, you know, sports games anymore, Um, and and how really wonderful does it sound referring to it as sports games, so (laughs) that tells you right there how much of an athlete I am. You know, after I had kicked the couch, that must have worked or something because the Illini stormed back and it all started with a Luther head three-pointer to get him within 11. And then it was on from there. The the Illini believed you had a great team there with, like I said, Luther head. God, I hated that team. Who was drafted by the Houston Rockets, I believe. Uh, James Augustine, I believe he went on to play for the Orlando. Charlotte. Oh, it was Charlotte. Yeah. I think it, I think he eventually ended up at some point with the Orlando Magic. I'm not sure Darren about that. Darren Williams. You had Darren Williams. We had D. Brown, uh, who I met once and is a very nice guy. Um, but... Yeah, they, they, they made that comeback, and I started cheering like a madman. The closer they got, the closer they got. And that's when everybody descended on the family room and watched, the, watched them win that game 90-89. to 89. 
still one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen on TV when it comes to athletics, for sure. That's going to wrap it up here from the studio at the Traverse City Record Eagle offices. Uh, this has been a wonderful, really enjoyable episode of the podcast. Uh, most of you listeners out there aren't going to get the the full grasp of just how insane this episode was. Several breaks where we had to compose ourselves. All right, I had to compose myself from laughing so much and uh, plenty of inappropriate jokes that I'm going to try to... Maybe I left a few in, I'm not sure, but... Um, if this weren't edited, it would get slapped with a sticker on the CDs you don't let your children purchase. Right. It's it's certainly, if I don't edit this, it, it's, it's not safe for work. I would have to put that label on there just because of the things that we have said, and I don't, I don't know if, um, you know... Nate would appreciate some it of the things. It might end that, us after 10 episodes. It might end us right here. This might have this might be it. Who knows. Um but I'm going to try to hopefully I have worked my magic on this episode and have done a good enough job where I was able to make it smooth. It's not it's going to be bumpy. I'll tell you that right now this episode either will be or has been bumpy, but Thank you so much for listening as I continue this long-winded Nate uh, conclusion of the podcast. Uh, I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and alongside me this week again, James Cook, Brett Summers. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your week, and please listen again next week. 